coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. We are about to live in a world where the greatest game of all time is an Apple Arcade exclusive. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host Mark Mitchell. We've got a good, good. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including the awesome games done quick speedrunning fundraiser, and then uh, also the pocket card jockey finding a new home. Uh, and then on Thursday, we are looking ahead to Nintendo's 2023. But Mark, in the meantime. How's it going? It's going great. So happy to be back. So happy to be here with you. Happy to have you back. Happy to be doing this again. Uh huh. Um, Connor, thank you for uh, coming. Yes, in last absolutely. Week. Um, but it's uh, 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 other than that, we Mark, we've been off of this for like it feels like it's been a long time. Yeah, it's always a little strange when we have these, you know, like breaks mm-hmm. because uh, we do the show. So I get to see you so often, mm-hmm. you know, normally. And so and then it, two weeks go by where we don't see each other. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's it's strange. And so it's always a little exciting. Uh, I always like what wonder how that energy affects the show. Like if it gets like too crazy mm. or I'm talking too fast, but uh, <laughs> just happy to be here. I always I'm, I'm always worried that you're going to be like, oh, I forgot that Patrick's weird. <laughs> I don't like spending time with Can him. Can you imagine? <laughs> At this point, if we forgot that we were weird. Um, all right, Mark, speaking of things that are weird, speaking of things that we're afraid might be different when we return to them, the Sonic Forces borrowing program is coming to a close. That's right. All good things must come to an end. And that includes perfect things. So too must the Sonic Forces borrowing program. So here's what we're doing. Both Sonic Forces and Untitled Goose Game are back in my possession in my home at this moment. I, Mark, I do not want them in my home. That's part of the reason why I was so happy to mail them out and get them sent back to me over and over and over again. We are going to send them out one last time. And this time, there will be no return addressed postage provided for you envelope. You just have to keep this thing. Yep. Uh, so... Get your name on the list if you have not already uh, entered your name uh, to get my copy of Sonic Forces or Untitled Goose Game. Uh, you have until the end of this month, January 31st. Uh, email us. Let us know. Uh, email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. gmail.com. We will need another reason to say our email address every episode, though, because <laughs> I'm not letting that go. <laughs> um, email us by the end of the month. We will randomly select two people to get these copies for the final times uh and then we'll be done with the sonic forces borrowing program that's right and so just to be super clear if you have ever put your name on the list you are entered into this drawing so you don't need to re-enter um but if this is your last chance to get on that list so if you have not done so now is the time now is the time precious few days yes um and then, uh, and then it'll be over, uh, and Sonic Forces will be out in the world. You can conduct your own Sonic Forces borrowing program if you like. That's right. I mean, it will remain, as always, the perfect program. 100%. All right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week, or uh, in, in your case, the, for the last, like, three weeks. Uh, Mark, I continue mostly to be playing, uh, well, two things. Uh, one is that I am uh, daily working on my goal of getting 999 tickets in Tetris 99. When I came in today, yes. you were uh, working on getting your tickets for the day. Uh, and I, I'm not going to say that I'm becoming discouraged there because I can only get four tickets a day. <laughs> and that the goal at this point is still to collect another 500 tickets. Um, but I'm becoming a little bit discouraged by it. Just because it takes so long, right? Yeah, um, and the progress is so slow. Uh, and I've not, I've since I decided to do this, I have not missed a day. Um, but you know, sometimes it means like I gotta wake up early and like 
play Tetris 99 before going to war. Like, I don't Ooh, know. It's such a dangerous line because you yeah. love Tetris 99 so much and you don't yes. want it to become a chore. Right. But I also I want these tickets. <laughs> <laughs> um, but mostly, mostly, mostly I've been playing Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion, uh, which uh, I have decided now that I love. Um, I was having a fun time with it before. I have now decided I love the game. It reminds me that I love Final Fantasy VII. This makes me very happy. Uh, and it, like the world of Final Fantasy VII. There's, so there are a couple things that uh, Crisis Core does that feel extraordinary to me. And one is that it does this great job of depicting the Shinra Corporation, which is like the evil uh, company that runs the world in Final Fantasy VII. Um, uh, does a really great job of depicting them as both like oppressor of the common man and like something to aspire to so like there are people who live in the slums who are like someday i'm gonna get a job and be an exec working for the the shinra corporation um uh, i i met a a kid who was like uh who was like going on about like the trains and how that's like the most high-tech uh like train that shinra's ever put out um and it's just like these like little, and of course he lives in the slums too, and is like you know under Shinra's boot all the time. Um, and it's just this really like smart, subtle thing of like the thing that looks really cool is all, and like is fun to think about and like fantasize about being a part of is also like the oppressive force that's keeping you down. Man, yeah. Uh, it's just it's it's very cool. And I'm also uh, I'm in chapter seven right now, seven of of ten. Um, and uh, so. Uh, Zach, the protagonist, has met a young Cloud at this point. He's also met uh, Aerith, uh, and like he's building these relationships with these characters. And uh, like I, I know Cloud so well because I've been playing Final Fantasy VII since you know I was sixteen. Um, and uh, just knowing that like this dude was Cloud's friend, and Cloud is such like a grump, uh, and Zach is such a like such an Andy Dwyer from Parks and Recreation, right? He's just like a, he's a fun, like, he's just a fun dude. Um, it's just a, uh, it's a great dynamic. And uh, I love thinking of the way he shaped uh, all of these characters from Final Fantasy VII before we even meet them. That's fun. I, I'm so glad that, I mean, I, I haven't played the game, but just uh, how much you love Final Fantasy VII, yeah. that there's this like new new to you piece yeah. of Final Fantasy it's 15 VII. 15 year years yeah. old, generally speaking, but yes, yeah, new to me. Yeah, I um that that sounds like so much fun, and also just like the game sounds enjoyable. Yeah. Um. So I I think eventually I'll want to pick it up. I've like wish listed it, you yeah. know, on my Switch so I can see if it ever drops in price. Um. I I would totally recommend it. Um. There's one more like feature of it that I wanted to shout out, which may just it speaks to my like specific, the specifically the way I want to engage with games. Um, so normally when you're playing the game, it's like this this chapter based thing where um, it's combat and story and like a little bit of exploration. But the story is sort of like constantly happening, right? Like every like five for ten minutes, someone is talking to someone else about something, right? Um, and it's all fully voice acted cutscenes. Um, I was playing in Japanese. I switched it over to English because I was like, I want to, I want to hear this, um, and it is good. Um, How did you play Final Fantasy or? Yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake, because that's the same voice actors, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, okay. yes, it is. Um, but Zack doesn't exist in, in Remake, so, like, the protagonist is someone new. Um, but, so, in, in any event, um, I, I like that style of gameplay, uh, but it means that it's, like, it's fully uh, grab it fully has my attention, right? Like, I can't do that and watch a TV show at the same time. I can't really do that and, like, be hanging out with Sarah while she's, like, reading or whatever. I can't do that and, like, listen to a podcast at the same time. Um, but there are these, like, menu-based missions that, like, you just go in and select them, and those are just straight combat um, and, like, uh, super light exploration but zero story. So, like, I know when I sit down and I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend, like, an hour just doing missions i can listen to a podcast during that and then when i want to just like commit myself to just playing the game turn off the podcast go into the story mode and it's just like i know what i know like what kind of gameplay i'm engaging with um before i start doing it 
which is just so like I want every story based game to be like okay now if you want to here's like just a bunch of challenges right yeah um, that like no one's gonna talk to you for a while <laughs> you don't have to like pause what you're doing to like watch a cutscene um it's just it's I it feels very considerate yeah that's great that sounds I uh, I mean this game previous to it being remade for modern platforms like it yeah. was on the PSP like just was not really on my radar at all. Uh, like I knew it existed. Yeah, me but too. But like I wasn't uh you know and I I I don't think I have the or I know for sure. I don't have the same like affinity for Final Fantasy 7 that you do. I I like it. But um you know so it's like oh when you know Sony was making all of these or Square Enix, you know, they had uh Crisis Core and Dirge of Cer- Cerberus and like you know all of those like it yeah. never really mattered to me, but um, I don't know. There's something about your experience with Crisis Core and just kind of like the game almost being reevaluated now, 15 years later, that it makes me yes. excited to experience it someday. Yep, yep. And, and uh, you know, when it'll be exactly the Dragon Quest XI as Echoes of Elusive Age <laughs> Definitive Edition uh, journey that we go on where I'm like, tell me exactly where you are. <laughs> Uh, well, I played uh, a couple of things while I was away. So I continued to put some time into Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. Um, a- after my initials impressions of it a few weeks ago, uh, uh, AV, listener AV, uh, who's in our Discord, um, you know, commented saying that basically they had like a very similar experience to my initial impressions, which were like, oh, it's like interesting, but the... Uh, the movement, you know, takes a little bit of getting used to because it's really, like, momentum-based and, like, yeah. you know, like, uh, the character designs are, uh, like, gross. They, <laughs> you they know? are what they are. <laughs> they what are what they are. Um, but, you know, uh, their experience was, like, yes, that is true, but if you keep pushing through, you know, like, it kind of reveals itself to do some really interesting things. And I have found that to be, like, exactly my experience as well. I will say one downside is I uh, the soundtrack is composed by, like, a lot of um, uh, composers who have worked on other things like Tropical Freeze, which is a soundtrack that I love, you know, uh, but I wasn't really able to play with the music. I was, you know, like, um, and so I haven't been able to experience that part of it. I will say, but like every, the other elements of the game, I at least academically appreciate, like it does really cool things Mm. where, you know, like uh, the overworld is, does have like puzzle elements and you like explore it. And levels have, like, two versions de- depending on sometimes you, um, you know, like, there's a big pot, like, anthropomorphic pot of sweets. And when you run into it, you know, it spills onto the Sorry, level. I just, a pot of sweets? <laughs> that's, like, what I, yeah. <laughs> I think his name is, like, Sweetie or something like I that. I mean, I, I, I can totally buy that that's the best way to describe <laughs> it. But, like... A pot of sweets. <laughs> is it like a goo or it is, is it? It's like a goo because when you run okay, into right. it, it like basically <laughs> knocks, you know, this like viscous liquid yeah. onto the level. And then when you go into the level, it now is like covered now in honey sticky. essentially. Yeah. So you can like climb up walls. You so couldn't it's a honey before. pot. It's a honey pot. So it's like, so it does cool things like that. I, I for whatever reason, the, it just is not like, fully grabbing me like it was perfect you know like on a plane to like do a couple of levels i but i just don't think that i'm going to continue playing it um i mechanically i think like there is nothing wrong with it and i can like academically appreciate a lot of the things it's doing but it's just not like grabbing me for whatever reason it just doesn't like i just don't connect with it let it go i mean your uh game time is limited enough that you shouldn't have to settle for something that you appreciate academically, right? Right. Play a game you want to play. Play a game that's fun. I Speaking of which, I finally was able to participate in a tr- the Tricolor Turf War hey. in Splatoon 3 in this uh, most recent Splatfest. Representing team... Uh, I did end up doing Team Spicy, and I couldn't remember if that's what I pledged my allegiance to <laughs> previously when we talked about it. I don't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I did Team Spicy. Um, and... You know, now I, so uh, I was traveling for a lot of it and then, I, but I got home and so on Sunday morning, I was like, okay, I'm going to play some Splatfest because this is the first opportunity. I think it's the first Splatfest since uh, Nintendo made the update that you can select a Tricolor Turf War and you are guaranteed to get it. Because yeah. previous Splatfest, I had tried to play Tricolor Turf War, but I could never, one never actually happened for me um, because they 
I don't know why that was a thing, but that's something they changed yeah. over like from the launch of the game to now. One of the things they love with Splatoon is like controlling your experience <laughs> uh, in like an artificial you know, yeah, in, like way. opaque ways. Yeah, where They're... it's like, no, you don't get this. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, like no, you can't. You're you're selecting, you know, uh, tricolor turf war, but we're just putting you in regular turf wars, right? And right, you'll never right. understand why. But they, you know, they don't do that anymore. Right. So this is my first time experiencing it. So because I was on Team Spicy, I was like an attacker. Um, and because uh, I think it was Team Sweet that was like the defender in the middle of the map. But I've got to say, for me personally, I thought Tricolor was a ton of fun. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and you know, uh, maybe it's different if you're a defender. But I, yeah, I thought like having the uh two two person teams trying to take control of the area in the uh, middle yeah. uh, in the middle was just like a really fun formula i i enjoyed it a lot i thought it was a fun kind of like um uh change to just regular turf war i don't really know what the general consensus on tricolor turf wars are do people I, like it i i it's it's tough because like i i think like, like you say this is the first one where people could like reliably opt into it um so there may not be like a big enough sample size. I know that our Discord is full of people who are very much into Splatoon 3 and who uh, participated in the Splatfest. So I would love to hear more conversation or read more conversation about it there uh, in the Discord. Uh, so we can bring that uh, to the podcast. And then finally, Patrick, I did end up buying... A Switch OLED model. Is it okay for me to say that I'm a little bit hurt that uh, you didn't tell me that? <laughs> because you and I got our Switches yeah. on the same day at the same time. Yep. Which, you know, we got them launch day, so like that's not that remarkable. But like within minutes of each other, we stood in the same line. Yes. Uh, so we were on the same journey with the same creaky old <laughs> Switches. Uh -huh. And now I've been left behind, Mark. I just, I couldn't. It, it really was... Going on this trip was the tipping point because it was like the my battery was so bad. Mm. And uh, and so I, I ended up getting an OLED model. The other thing that was kind of, um, for me, the reason that I pulled the trigger was actually the the leak, potentially, we actually don't know of that uh, Tears of the Kingdom yes. um, Switch Which OLED Connor model. Which Connor and I talked about last week. Exactly, yeah. And so I think there's a good chance that it's, you know, it ends up being real. And so uh, I... I, that made me be like, okay, my current Switch is getting pretty old. I don't want to uh, my Switch experience to be what my Nintendo 3DS experience is, where I never bought a new 3DS, and yeah. now I'm really regretting yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get the uh, OLED model, because I now do not believe that we're getting like a Switch, like a new Switch this year. I do think that it is possible... Were, were you so sorry, I, I just I, I forget where exactly all of our outlandish predi predictions are or were. Were you a uh, new switch in 2023? Yeah, okay. and I don't know that it was necessarily with the Tears of the Kingdom, but I was. I was like, yeah, it's kind of getting long in the tooth. Like I think it yeah. makes sense, but I don't think we're getting like a next generation from Nintendo anymore. Right. But I still think it's possible that we do get a revision of some kind because historically Nintendo has been on like this like two year you know, sure, revision, yeah. and not just with the Switch, although that did happen. You had the original Switch in 2017. And then the light. And, well, and not just the light, but also, like, the uh, oh, yeah. the kind of, like, it looked like a Switch, it worked like a Switch, but they, like, updated the chip. Quacks so, like, like a duck. Had, like, yeah. <laughs> so it had, like, better battery life, and then you had, but the light is another great example. Then you, two years later, you had the OLED. It's like, okay, well, that was 2021. So I think it is potentially possible that we get, like, another upgrade in 2023. But I just... Didn't want to wait anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get that. I mean, it's my, my like, trolley prediction uh, a couple years ago of not till 2025 starting to feel I right. know. I know. <laughs> I, I think it is super possible that it's, like, on the cusp of 2025, like, late 2024 yep. is when yep. we get new hardware. Um, but, you know, one thing that's interesting is that with the OLED, I, uh, it is, like, the build is nicer. Like, yeah. it feels, like, sturdier, like, not as creaky. But it is interesting that you're like, oh, it's still a Switch. Like, the um, mm -hmm. the eShop is still slow, <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not like yeah. it's not like the experience from going from a, uh, a, a 3DS 
and then like the new 3ds where you're like oh this is significantly snappier yeah and you know like it has like the the new 3ds had the like nub and all like that like all those niceties like the oled is nice like the the screen is nice but it also does that weird uh 3ds xl thing where it i think it's the same number of pixels it's just a bigger screen so you're like oh it actually looks a little more like pixelated yeah sure so, so it's just a you know it's an interesting balance like i'm glad i got it but it's definitely not like a life-changing up- upgrade in any way uh joy cons i i did i went th- with the white cool um i went with white and do is joy con drift still a thing like yeah, because I okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we uh, it was sort of reported um, that like the newer ones are less susceptible to it, but also I don't know. I feel like Joy-Con drift is a uh, a subject that we are mostly uh, past as a society now. That like it still happens, and we're like, I don't know. That's just part of it. Oh sure, it's like when uh like a war just continues for years and years that it, you know what I mean? Where you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it stops yeah. being front page news because it's just like a thing that you are living with. Sure. Now. I mean, it's a, that's an insane comparison, but yeah. Yeah. This is and that, yet I stand the, behind <laughs> it. It's good. It's good. I like it. And I, so I know all this OLED stuff is like two years old at this point, but I will say, but it's new to me. And I will say the other thing that I had to kind of figure out is like how to set up my OLED, like, transfer all of my information over. And that part is fairly easy. But the the thing that kind of makes it Nintendo-esque yeah. is that in order to transfer your information over uh, from, what, from, like, an old Switch to your new Switch, you can't already have that account linked to your new Switch. So you go through, you, like, turn on the OLED, your, or really any new Switch, you're setting it up and you have to add a user. So you're like, oh, obviously I'll just like sign in with my Nintendo account. Right. So you sign in with your Nintendo account and then you go to transfer your uh, information from the old switch to the new switch. And it's like, you can't do that because you're already signed in with this account. So what you have to do is you have to make just like a throwaway like just a user. Dummy. Okay. Just like a throwaway user and then transfer over your like sure. Nintendo sure. account. And then get rid of the dummy user. It just it just like it adds a layer of complication that you're like, this is silly. Well, right. That there should be an option like right when you start it up where it's like, do you currently have a switch that you whose soul you want to put into this switch? Right. Um, and it's weird that that is not, uh, especially like this late in the generation and this like uh, it's so clearly that they're trying to sell switches to people who've already purchased them before. Right. That like. Why isn't that part of it? And I, I guess you're right. It's just like a Nintendo thing. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, with the whatever the next uh, Nintendo hardware is, that's another thing that they'll fix because all baby steps. But um, yeah. Well, and like I found it to be pretty easy to and mind you, this is 100 years ago now. So who can remember? Um, but it was easy to move my Wii profile over to my Wii U. Um, and even had like a cute little animation of like Pikmin carrying the, the data over. Um, but, like, yeah, I remember that being, like, quick and easy and, uh, like, it knew that, like, if you bought a Wii U, you previously owned a Wii. <laughs> Which, like, it's kind of a good assumption that, like, if you are buying any video game, you previously owned a Wii. <laughs> 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 uh, but, yeah, so, yeah, I guess just uh, what I'm saying is I would hope that in whatever Nintendo does next that they are cognizant of the fact that, like, everyone buying it had a switch at one point right or like a nintendo or like the yeah the assumption should be or could be that you have an account that you're transferring over and if you don't that's fine right but let's work off the assumption. the other thing that's like a little bit a bit of a bummer yeah is that i i don't delete uh like i'll delete demos but like i don't delete software off my switch i'll archive it but yeah. i like having like all of the like uh cover art yeah you know and so when you transfer all of your stuff over you don't get that because but you have to just download them one you at have a time? to you 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 would have to download them one by one and and archive them right and so it's like i'm not gonna do that you know yeah. so yeah, like yeah. i went into the eShop and i downloaded maybe like four games but my switch feels so empty whereas before it was like oh yeah i have like a catalog of like a hundred and something games yeah that i've over my the entire switch and i can see the last time i played it and like all that kind of stuff so that's like 
uh, I understand why it is that way, but it makes it's uh, makes the experience less fun because it really feels like I'm like starting over in some ways. Yeah, yeah, but like counterpoint, like maybe it'd be nice to not see Snake Pass. Fear effects <laughs> Sedna on my Switch. I suppose I could just delete. <laughs> yeah, them. you could just. I delete could take it. that on myself to delete them. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. I could take a little ownership here, <laughs> a little personal responsibility. Hey, we did an entire episode on Snake Pass. We didn't. We've come such a long way. But we did do an entire episode <laughs> on Snake Pass. Um, all right, Mark, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. January 12th on Thursday. I want to call out this game because I don't really know anything about it. Mm-hmm. But when I downloaded, or when I got my new Switch, I went to the eShop to, like, you know, just kind of test things out, see how everything was working, make sure I could re-download all my old software and stuff. And I'm going through the list of uh, titles in coming soon. And there's one called Burrow of the Fallen Bear, a gay furry visual novel. Now, it's funny to me that you would say that you don't know anything about it when you just read the name of it. Because I think a gay furry visual novel <laughs> tells you everything you need to know no, about No, that's it. true. It, it, it appears <laughs> yes. that uh, it is exactly what it says on the tin. But uh, the reason it struck me was just, like, how different Nintendo has become as a company, Mm -hmm. right? From, like, the days of the NES when they were removing crosses from uh, games in North America because they just, like, did not want to offend. To uh, Now we got gay furries, yeah. Yeah, that's just, like, yeah, it's, like, promoted on Nintendo, the eShop, like, coming soon page, and, like, nobody blinks. It's kind of cool. It's really nice. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, the the whole... The whole thing has gotten uh, has, has just gotten broader, right? Like, um, and in some ways, that means that there's like a lot of garbage that winds up on on the eShop. Totally, and this may be some more uh, of that absolutely, like, yeah. Like, who who knows? Um, but you know, like gay furry garbage. So, like, okay, all right, whatever, great. Yeah, yeah. It, it just struck me as kind of like, oh, that's I, I neat. I thought it was nice. <laughs> I thought it was nice. Sign of the times. And then uh, on Friday, January thirteenth, Sephiroth. And Kazuma from the Super Smash Brothers series are the Amiibo. Yes, are releasing. So okay, do you recall a while ago uh, that I was like, I don't even know if I have a Cloud Amiibo. Right. Um. And then uh, a, a week or two ago, I started doing my Amiibo inventory because I was like, I need to get a handle on this. I need to know what I own and what I don't own. I do own a Cloud. So. I went ahead and pre-ordered several. <laughs> yeah, Cause, okay, cause, perfect. I mean, like, no, what, no. What, like, what am I you doing? You don't have to explain I, I, yourself I have, to me. I have to. It makes I, a complete sense. I, so I, I need it. Kazuma, uh, uh, I, I, I don't need him. Um, but yeah, Sephiroth, like, Sephiroth. Was it hard to get Sephiroth? Um, it, it was hard in that I went to Amazon and it was, like, not available. I went to Best Buy and it said, like, coming soon. And then I went to GameStop and it said pre-order. Oh, okay. So. No, like not not hard. I didn't have to, and this was like I didn't check back. It was just like I had the impulse this morning, um, and just did it. Yeah, amiibo in the year of twenty twenty three continues to be this like mysterious thing to me, where it's like people are obviously buying them, right? But it just doesn't seem like like I I, I don't know like because sometimes they're really hard to pre order. Like I feel like the Metroid Dread ones were like impossible to get yeah they were tough and but then you know like sephiroth do you think that'd be a big deal but it's like still available to pre-order like i i just don't know yeah well and i think there's also just like less like pomp and circumstance around it because like he's the only final fantasy 7 mm-hmm. amiibo coming out you know so like it's uh it's not like a big package deal of like this is metroid dread this is the only time they'll be available um i do i have noticed um or like i do know that they are re-releasing, like reprinting a bunch of amiibo um, that are uh, Fire Emblem related, um, and uh, so there. And I'm missing a bunch of them, um, but I don't really, I don't have a handle on what the schedule is for the re-release. But I saw that you could pre-order um, the re-release of Marth, uh, who is going to be available on the twentieth. So like, there is a schedule out there somewhere. I have Marth already, so that's not one that I needed to pick up. Um, but so there are, I'm just, everyone keep an eye out for it. If you're interested in uh, Amiibo that you missed out on their original issue, um, they may be available again in the near future. Interesting. Um, and I think a lot of that is just because, 
like the the fire emblem games are always good about like scan any amiibo you want and get like a pointless item um but scan a fire emblem amiibo and like get something a little bit more meaningful oh Um, okay that's sort of like an intelligent systems thing um you know, I got to bring it up in almost every episode, but Codename Steam, the uh, 3DS, like, tactical uh, game featuring uh, characters from The Wizard of Oz and, like, American history, um, uh, you could scan in the Fire Emblem Amiibo to bring those characters into the game. So, like, you could play (laughs) as Marth, as Roy, as Ike in this game. That's amazing. Um, But you needed the Amiibo to do it. That's so interesting. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, but also very cool. And then also uh, on Switch is a game called NES Escape or Nscape or... Nescape. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's unclear exactly. But so NES Escape is a, 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 like a um, like a puzzle, like an adventure, like a point and click sort of adventure game that uh, was kickstarted a, a little while ago. Um, or the it was developed and then the they kickstarted the production of physical NES carts, um, and uh, like sold it on NES and on PC um, a couple years ago, uh, and uh, it's uh, coming to Switch, which uh, is just a, a neat little like synergy of like a Nintendo thing, something like aping both like the style and originally coming out on original NES hardware, um, that now it's coming to Switch. So I thought it was just worth. Uh, shouting out here. Um, all right, Mark. Those are the new releases. Let's close this out. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about nintendo so for the duration of one form it's 433 mark and i'll talk about something not at all nintendo related thus fulfilling the contract of the piece mark we're talking about the 10 uh longest running broadway shows of all time yes that's uh, right and mark has the list i do not uh i'm uh electing to stay in the dark on this one uh, so you're going to administer whatever we're going to do with this list. yeah okay all right so here's what we're going to do is i'm going to give you the number one um, longest running cats and uh, no it's not cats it's not cats no it used to be and they certainly threatened it with a tagline now and forever but uh uh no it's not cats it's actually the phantom of the opera oh yeah the longest running broadway show by close to over close to like 4000 shows on number 2 um wow and so uh what we're going to do is i will i'm going to throw to you and see if you can name some of the other shows in the t- in the top ten. It doesn't have to be right, like right, in right. order. And then we'll just like kind of talk yeah, about cats. each one. <laughs> yes, in fact, Cats is number four at this point. Number four. Yeah, wildly. Uh, um, okay, okay. So uh, let's. I, I believe we've talked about Phantom in a four thirty three previously when it stopped running. Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, or when they announced it was going to stop, I think like it's still going. I think it's still going. Yeah, it was never going to stop. And maybe. it was, and then they like extended it for a month. Think but, of me <laughs> but I think it is actually going to close uh, at some point and then come back. But yeah, Phantom of the Opera. Um, cats. Number four. I don't think I have anything to say about cats. I, I like cats. Okay. Tell me why. <laughs> what? So here's, Cats, I guess, is like a spectacle I can respect. Um, I don't like the songs in Cats. Oh yeah, I um, there are songs that I like in Cats. So I, uh, when I was younger, I used to like dance, like I used to mm-hmm. do dance, and uh, like my siblings did. Like uh, it was something that we enjoyed a lot. And Cats is basically, you know, like dance yes. yeah. for two and a half hours essentially with songs. There are some songs that I like in it, but yeah, I've always had like a. I don't. I don't think it's. The best show of all time, but I've always had a soft no, spot for cats. I, I, viewing it through the prism of like it's a dance piece that also has songs in it, like that actually makes a lot of sense. Like, and maybe I should just think of it more like a 20th century ballet than anything else. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I I think it's like I'm not gonna say that it's underrated or like the people that don't <laughs> it's like the it fourth longest running show. <laughs> yeah, time. it's like don't have like. Uh, but it's yeah. I I've I've always enjoyed Cats, but I've also always enjoyed Phantom of the Opera. I mean, I'm a rube. What can I say? Right. Well, I, yeah. But I mean, Phantom's also a slam dunk. Like it's just it, it goes down smooth, right? Goes uh, down easy. Very little resistance. Path of least resistance. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. Uh, t- Lion King. 
Lion King, yes, is number three. Okay. All right. So I still don't have number two. Don't have number two. I think that, uh, well, first of all, let's talk about Lion King. Okay, great. Um, another one where it's just like, the it goes down smooth. The spectacle is amazing. Like, right. the puppetry is awesome. I think it is probably the best thing Julie Taymor has ever done. Oh, yeah. I think hands down. Well, I mean, and, and it's also so impressive because both uh, the stage show and the movie have such clear visual identities that are so different from each other and are both just iconically the Lion King. Yeah. It's, you, it would be hard-pressed to find like another property that only really exists in like two ways, and those two ways look and feel very different from each other, but are both recognizably the same thing. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really good point. Uh, yeah, and then it's the, the music from uh, The Lion King. So yeah. Like, it's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, so I gotta guess. I gotta guess number two. Uh-huh. Why do you think I'm missing number two? Um, I, I, to be completely honest, like I think number two is close to uh, your heart, close to both of our minds, all at all times. So it's lame is no. Oh no no no. Although oh. lame is on, is on there. That's okay. number six. Um, again, a show I love. My my sister went with her kids to see it in someplace on the East Coast. It was like a touring production. Uh, and it was her kid's first time seeing it. And You're they, in town? And they, <laughs> and they absolutely loved it. Hair? And it made me want to, like, watch it. So the closest I think I could do was watch, like, the 20th anniversary or, like, whatever, like, a concert special that they have right, that, like, right, right, Nick right, right, Jonas right. is in. And it's amazing. It reminded me how much I love Les Mis. It's so good. Right, but it's not right. It's not number two. It's number but, six. <laughs> it's number six. Yeah. So what's number two? Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Really? Chicago's yeah. that long running? Yeah. Chicago's a, a, a great show, um, and a wonderful movie. A wonderful movie. That movie's uh, perfect. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So okay, we've got. Uh, no, we're missing number five. We're missing number five. It's another one that like, I I think uh, I I don't know that either of us care for it that much, but it's um. Long running. Is it another? Oh, uh, shoot. <laughs> I, we have to know this one, and then we... It was Wicked. It was Wicked. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really care for, for, uh, for, for Wicked. Um, but it's coming out in the form of two movies. <laughs> two it, movies. That's insanity. Too much. <laughs> uh, we were accompanied today by an ensemble at the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix. Uh, we may need to revisit this topic because I was enjoying it uh, so much. Mark, let's get into the news. It's that time of year. It is time for Awesome Games Done Quick. AGDQ. The uh, speedrunning marathon that is happening and started on Sunday and runs through Saturday the 14th um, raising money for the Prevent Cancer Foundation uh, if you have never watched parts of uh, Games Done Quick before they do two a year, uh, two main events a year, they have programming throughout the entire year but Awesome Games Done Quick which happens like in January and then uh, Summer Games Done Quick that happens I think like in July or something like sometime that. Sometime in the summer. <laughs> uh, <for> sometime sure. <laughs> in the summer. Absolutely. Uh, and um, Awesome Games Done Quick raises money for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. In the summer they raise money for Doctors Without Borders and it like for an entire week, 24 hours a day, they uh, different speedrunners are running different games. And so it's you can go to gamesdonequick.com to see the entire schedule. But for me, it's always a lot of fun. I love just having it on kind of like his background noise. Yep. And then later, uh, they post all of the runs on YouTube after th- uh, they're finished. And so, you know, you can always go back and catch the ones that you missed. And uh, and just- one of the things that's fun about the runs, and I think we say this every year or twice every year as the event uh, comes by uh, twice every year, um, that uh, while speedrunning can be a sort of like impenetrable thing where it's like uh, not even clear how they're doing what they're doing or what's impressive about what they're doing, um, everyone who does these things is not only very good at playing these games, but very good at explaining to you how they're playing the games or how they're doing what they're doing. In fact, there's frequently a person who's playing while another person on their team explains how what's happening in front of you is an impressive feat. Um, so, like, it's it's kind of uh, perfect, right? In that, like, uh, you get to see these very, like, niche specialties play out, but then also feel like you're included in, like, knowing why it's cool. Absolutely. And there's always, I find, I feel like some, like, surprises in there. Like, I remember a few years ago in one of the Games Done Quick Marathons, somebody sp- 
uh, did a speed run of Mr. Bones, which is this random like Sega Saturn game where yeah. he plays like a skeleton and it has like a jazz soundtrack that I'd like never heard of in my life. And it turned out to be just like a completely a super fun, amazing run with great commentary and all that kind of stuff. So I really recommend checking it out. We've just picked a few Nintendo focused um, one like uh, runs that are scheduled for this week. But uh, definitely, you know, like go check it out. So today at really specific times, 1242 Pacific, uh, there's a Super Mario Galaxy 2 any percent run or any percent race. Yeah. Which uh, And that's yeah, PM, by the way. So that's uh, the a- afternoon. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, Mario Galaxy 2 uh, any percent race on Wednesday at 440 a.m. There's a this is all these are all going to be uh, Pacific times. There's a Final Fantasy 7 any percent no slots. So I, I was like, no slots. What is that? Um, there's a character in the game called Ketchi spelled Kate Sith, um, but pronounced Ketchy, uh, who has his limit break is uh, a slot machine, and you can manipulate that to do an instant death on whatever enemy. So uh, speedrunners obviously figured out a way to take advantage of that and time it perfectly, but no slots means that you cannot use this cheat with uh, with Ketchy. Oh, yeah. got it. And then uh, on Thursday at 12.12 p.m., the... There's a 100% race of BS Legend of Zelda. Which, uh, okay, of course, the BS is the Satellaview um, Super Famicom version of the Legend of Zelda, where I don't know how this works now, because, like, in the original, there was, like, a live announcer or, like, actor that was, like, giving quests and stuff. Yeah, I don't know how it works either. But, yeah, it was, it was a, special, a special version of the original Legend of Zelda game that was only for the Satellaview yeah. um, add-on that was in only Japan, available in Japan, right. <laughs> right. where they're basically broadcasting these games live, and yes. then there was no, you know, like, um, no cartridge or anything that goes with it. So, yeah, I, I don't know how oh, it exists. Why don't we have BS Zelda on our <laughs> systems right now? We have the internet now. Ooh, uh, that'd be so fun, like, uh, if Nintendo was just, like, here's a game that you can, I mean, I guess they did this with Mario 35 and people hated it, but you can only play it for, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's only available at, like, 2 p.m. I guess they did this with Salmon Run and everybody hated it. Yeah. So never well, so mind. just do it again. <laughs> Who cares? Take the L. I want to play the game. Um, and then on Friday at 8.47 a.m., uh, Metroid Prime 1 plus 2 multi-world randomizer co-op. Um, this There are a lot of uh, speedrunner buzzwords in there, but it basically means that it uh, reassigns uh, item locations, what doors lead to what places, what uh, elevators lead to what places, uh, and it also randomizes when you get a power-up who it goes to because it goes to other people who are also playing the game with you at the same time. It's crazy. It's kind of insanity. And then Saturday at 9.59 a.m. Pacific, uh, Metroid Dread, all bosses, glitchless run. It's supposed to be done in like an hour and 40 minutes or something. Just sounds incredible. Right. So that's uh, like what we've picked here are sort of things that run the gamut of like, here are people who are going to break the game. Here are people who are going to uh, play a super hacked version of the game. And here are people who are just going to play Metroid Dread real fast. Right. <laughs> um, so like this is the the, the breadth of... Uh, uh, exhibition that you'll see as part of AGDQ. So if any of that sounds like fun, go look it up and uh, find something uh, to watch. Yeah, and again, you can find that schedule and donate at GameStoneQuick.com. Last week, Game Freak announced that Pocket Card Jockey Ride On is coming yeah. to Apple Arcade to on January 20th. Apple Arcade! Yeah. I mean, we knew that Apple Arcade, you know, they were uh money hatting those exclusives yeah true and so but i never in my wildest dreams would i have imagined that apple would have like zoned in on pocket card jockey yeah well and like it's because game freak is not you know owned by nintendo it's not you know so like uh but mostly they develop games that appear on nintendo hardware um and even for, like, something to appear on phones, like, that's not that odd, right? Because there's a lot of uh, Pokemon stuff uh, that's available on phones. But to be part of Apple Arcade is really, really big. I think uh, all signs point to Tim Cook being a really big pocket card jockey fan on the 3DS. Sure. And so when so the opportunity... like it more or less. <laughs> so when the opportunity arose, he was like, we've got to make this an Apple Arcade exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for whatever reason, when you know the the name was leaked or whatever it was from like the Japanese trademark, 
Um, we I just, got excited. Yeah, I just expected that it would be uh, like m- maybe a mobile game, but not necessarily Apple Arcade exclusive. Um, I I think we were hoping for a Switch for sure, either port yeah. or sequel. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like this is uh, m- more port than it is sequel, right? Right. Um, it it, it kind of looks like uh, all they've really changed is that the racing components of the game are being rendered in 3D instead of... Um, it was ca- pretty janky before, actually. Just like uh, what it almost appeared to be like paper cutouts of horses like jockeying for position um, on just like a 2D plane. Uh, but so if that is being rendered in 3D, you're still cutting away to play discrete hands of solitaire to make individual turns on the racetrack. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. Uh, phone is the perfect. Oh, yeah. Phone. All of it makes like, sense. It, it all makes perfect sense. I, I think the part that just like threw me for a loop that was that it's an Apple, Apple Arcade exclusive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That That throws me for a loop as well. It's also a little bit like. Nintendo, lock that down. I, I know. What are you doing, What are Nintendo? you doing? You've got, hey, the of the companies you have great relationships with, Game Freak, got to be the top of the list, yeah. right? So, like, just just lock that down. <laughs> just keep it on Switch. Don't let people play that on phones. <laughs> it's just too, uh, like, I don't know. I think the reason... <laughs> I think the reason why, like, it yeah. stings a little bit yeah. is because I'm not an Apple Arcade subscriber. And I'm like, do I, should, should I be? I, I mean, maybe. Here's the thing. There's that. And also, uh, you know, my game of the year 2022, Shovel Knight Dig, is on Apple Arcade. So, like... So, so maybe... So that's at least two good games. How... Uh, uh, I hope that it, that it is, for a lot of people... Uh, Jock, pocket card jockey right on is like the tipping point where they're like you know what i'm gonna go ahead and subscribe to apple arcade here's actually what i hope for this whole situation is that subscribers to apple arcade are like oh, okay they go on they're like i'm gonna check out some new games they discover pocket card jockey and realize that it's one of the greatest games ever made mm-hmm. uh, and just have a wonderful time playing discreet hands of solitaire to help your horse run faster um oh thank you to virtual boy in our discord who uh brought up that it was releasing on phones yeah uh, i was not really tracking to it um and uh, most of the other like um nintendo focused news sources that uh i follow or that we sort of like collate from to uh uh to put together our news um really had it like yeah uh, i'm I'm guessing you know because when it was a trademark and people were like is it coming to switch right it was covered everywhere and then it was like (laughs) now when it was apple arcade it was like well we can't write about this no (laughs) um hey what's bandai namco working on great question something for nintendo or so a job posting on their website would have you believe uh, the listing specifically states that they are looking for developers to work on their games in partnership with Nintendo, and the style of game is listed as 3D action. Right. So uh, we can start to speculate here. We let's let's put some pieces together. Okay. Right? Um, uh, first of all, with a disclaimer that like video game studios are forever hiring and forever working on stuff that never sees the light of day. Uh, this could mean nothing, but we know that Bandai Namco uh, has been pretty active. Uh, with Nintendo games in the Switch generation. They uh, provided support for both uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and ARMS, and then they just like straight up developed Super Smash Bros. Ultimate um, under under the direction of Masahiro Sakurai. And weren't they also originally working on Metroid Prime 4 before it got rebooted? Ooh. I think they were. I think it was like Bandai Namco Singapore, maybe? Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, And uh, uh, Pokken Tournament DX. Um, the other uh, game that they just like straight up made. So, 3D action, that could be a kind of fighting game, right? Um, what do you, what do you, what do you think this is, Mark? Yeah, interesting. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna venture a really boring guess and say it's like Pokken Tournament Two. Oh, that is boring. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, could this be, and they're not really in the remake business, um, but I was going to say, uh, could it be the uh, Kid Icarus Uprising? Oh, sure. I mean, they've worked closely with Sakurai in the they've past. worked with Sakurai in the past. Yeah. Even though he's like semi-retired at the moment. Uh-huh. But semi. Semi? Means he's got to be working on something. Yeah. Other than just his YouTube channel. Uh-huh. Did you watch his most recent video about uh, Kirby Air Ride? No. The last one I saw where it was just an ode to his cat. <laughs> 
that guy rules. <laughs> um, the the air ride one is is fun. He talks about uh, being the head of like all things Kirby at that time. Um, and like he took over as director of Air Ride when like it wasn't going the way it was supposed to. Um, and then there were two other uh, like DS or yeah, I think DS games in development at that time, and the Kirby anime. And he was like in charge of all of it. And it's like, okay, this is just what you do. Like yeah. this is this. At some point, these are Sakurai choices, <laughs> right? Like you're not the put upon game developer. You chose this life, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh. It could be that the people that he used to work with on um, Smash are now like carrying that forward for uh, yeah maybe we don't know maybe uh, relevant to our conversation about Nintendo controllers that we had uh, just last Thursday, uh, Nixie NYXI has introduced a new Wizard Wireless Joypad. It's a Joy-Con S controller for Switch that very strongly resembles a GameCube controller. Yeah, so, you know, looks like when, when it's in, because it has its own, like, uh, grip, like, Joy-Con grip thing. And at that point, it mostly looks like a purple Wavebird um, controller. Uh, and, of course, you can take it off of the, the grip and just put it on uh, your Switch-like Joy-Cons. Yeah, and so, which, uh, you know, I feel like when the Switch was revealed, one of the earliest fan renders, you know, was putting, you know, like, yeah. a game GameCube controllers, uh, like, half of it on one side of the Switch and half on the other. But nothing like that has ever really revealed itself. Yeah, well, and, you know, that's... Uh, the GameCube controller is uh, held in high esteem, uh, especially as a sort of, like, universal game controller. Um especially as uh, Nintendo controllers started to get like more specific uh, in the Wii, Wii U, and, and Switch era, that like the GameCube controller is just sort of like right down the middle, right? Like it, has, it still has its big weird green button in the middle, um, but it's, it's, it's sort of a, an, a good all-around player. Um, so th- a couple things to note about uh, this uh, controller is that First of all, the the C stick uh, is less of a nub and more of like an actual stick, um, with a uh, like nice round uh, sort of um, thumb pad on on the top of it. Um, but here's here's like the the, the big uh, like intriguing kind of selling point of this thing, is that they are t- <coughs> touting something that they are referring to as the Hal Effect joysticks, um, that uh, they say are going to be impervious to Joy-Con drift. Um, because the components of the stick don't act don't physically touch it's a magnet that like triggers okay um the the positioning which i don't know makes me nervous about like if you get in proximity to other magnets what's gonna happen <laughs> don't take it through an x-ray machine don't take it through an x-ray machine <laughs> make sure to take all the good change out of your pockets before you play with it um but uh the, the the quote from their website is uh quote this means that in theory hell effect joy cons or joysticks will never develop drift in their lifetime it's weird that the website says in theory <laughs> has the product been tested <laughs> what are we talking about in theory yeah i mean i guess like in, they're like hedging their bets because infinity is a long time infinity is a really long time uh, yeah but it's like ancient philosophers <laughs> have surmised that possibly drift would never occur on these yeah. Uh, joysticks um that's funny yeah it just uh it's a a a weird um i just i think that in theory is doing a lot of heavy lifting there also it looks like it has mappable touch pads on the back Uh and swappable uh uh stick gates uh depending on whether you want circle or uh the octagonal uh gates for for the thumbsticks yeah i mean it it looks cool it looks cool. Um, one thing I do just want to note here is that uh, I saw a lot of outlets reporting on this thing uh, today and like over the weekend, uh, and I don't. It's unclear to me why like it's getting positioned. I because I feel like there have been uh, GameCube s controllers for um, Switch that have been available before, so I don't know that it's that unique. I think they either just had a really successful marketing push or the uh, HAL effect uh, joysticks actually are a big deal but i don't know which it is yeah i would say there's a third option which is that it's january it's like early january and news is slow i put it on our news (laughs) we got we got we got to fill out the show um but is is a gamecube like uh set of joy cons 
something that interests you. Much. I, I uh, in theory, mm-hmm. I like it. You know, like I, I don't know that I have any practical practical use for it, but um, I am. It makes me happy that it exists. Yeah, I mean, you just ended up getting another set of Joy-Con, right? Oh yeah, that's because, true. Uh, you you got the the OLED. Are you are you keeping your existing switch or I, so I don't know. I have I am currently holding on to it. I yeah. haven't done anything with it. It feels kind of like because I didn't want to trade it in before I got my new one of because course. I wanted to yeah. you know and it, so it just felt like a big But when's the next time you're going to hassle, a GameStop? Right. And yeah. how much could I actually like get for it? Yeah. So I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. Hey man, you can get 70 bucks off the uh like PlayStation VR 2 or something. Yeah, that's right. So then it's only like $600. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I uh and then I was it like retails for 550. <laughs> and then I was like maybe I'll keep maybe I'll keep the old one to travel with so I can just like throw it in a bag and not think about it. But I'm like, well, the whole point of the OLED model is that the screen is nicer. <laughs> so if it's just plugged in my TV, like who cares? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with Maybe it. If you ever need like a small cheese board. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, you know, uh, you and Connor talked about this in last week's news episode. Um, the kind of like buggy release of sports story that came at the end of December um, but now we know that the initial patch to the game uh, released l- late last week on January 6th to address hopefully some of the more glaring problems of the initial release. Uh, yeah, and there's uh, there are full patch notes available on uh, Sidebar Games' website. Um, but some they are so specific um, as though they had just gotten like a list of complaints from players and were addressing them one by one, like in specific scenarios. There's even one where they're like, uh, people experience this. It's not a glitch, but you should do it this way. Um, but the one that made me laugh the most, uh, the bullet point is, quote, the baby tennis match should be less confusing. <laughs> and hey, I agree. <laughs> You know, I uh, I really like Golf Story. Am yes. going to pick up Sports Story. Yes. Um, but haven't picked it up yet. Uh, and uh, am glad you know to be picking it up after some of these patches come out. Um, but do do you have like a a plan in your head of when you're going to uh, uh tackle it or anything like that? Or I don't know. I I do think that it'll be. I like don't really have like a specific plan. It'll probably be one where I buy now and then maybe not you know like play until there's like a little bit of a lull i have to tell like i am obviously we're really close to fire emblem engage we're like 10 days away basically at this point i am intrigued by it but a bunch of previews came out recently for fire emblem engage and they are talking about how it is more of a you know it i guess it was unclear after fire emblem three houses like what direction the next uh, game would take would it lean into the more like social aspects in the way that Fire Emblem Three Houses did? Would it return to a more like combat focused game? And from the previews, it sounds like Engage is more a tra- more of a traditional Fire Emblem, That's not really following well, the path yeah. of Three Houses. And so I liked Three Houses a lot, but it wasn't the combat of the game. You know, I played on uh, like the easiest mode possible, and for the most part you know, just like auto battled my way through it and where I spent my time and my effort was in interacting with the characters in the story. And so I think I'm still going to pick up Fire Emblem Engage, but what I'm saying is sports or sports sport story might be something that I turn to when right. like, Fire, Emblem, Fire Emblem Engage doesn't really uh, grab me. Engage. <laughs> yeah, I was dancing <laughs> around tough. it. Um, yeah, well, because like I know that I'm going to go head first into Engage um, and I pre-ordered the collector's edition so like i i, I got I'm, I'm pot committed here um but uh yeah i i i would be very interested to hear about your sports story uh, experiences when when you get into it and finally we have the results of this weekend's uh splatfest <laughs> that w- <laughs> we we have the results of this weekend's splatfest. <laughs> between spicy sweet and sour it's like dad rather that's right <laughs> Team Sweet ended up winning. <laughs> Team Sweet ended up winning with a total of thirty points, mm-hmm. and cloud scores were pretty evenly split among the three teams. But Team Sweet was monstrously more popular than the others. Uh, yeah, this I I I find the the percentage here and just like what how many players on each team. Um, team Sweet uh, wins with fifty six point eight four percent of players choosing Team Sweet, and then Team Spicy was next with twenty seven point seven five percent. 
and Team Sour at 15.41%. Gotta say, uh, a, a abysmal showing from Team Sour. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I wonder if just, like, is the uh, the era of the ultra-sour food, is that just, uh, did we put that to bed? Did that go away with the 1990s? Mm-hmm. Kids don't eat warheads anymore. That's right. Well, it's burning everybody's mouths. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a great point. It's too it's too sour. <laughs> I love sour things. Um, I was team spicy all the way. You know, at the at the halfway point, things were pretty evenly matched. Like uh, team sweet was ahead by a little bit, I think, but in the end, ended up running away with it. Um, I love that there are those statistics of like at the halfway point, like this is going yeah, on. that's really fun. Um, that's uh, what what a fun little like meta narrative they've built into these uh, these splatfests. All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MK Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We, but there's also our Discord uh, where you can chat with us anytime or chat with other people who are having a fun time talking about Nintendo. Uh, just email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, and we will send you an invitation. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apipetti. You can get more of his music by going to apipetti.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. <laughs>